play that video to start. Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville show. My name is Jerry Miller. Thank you kindly for joining us live in downtown Charlottesville. Wishing you a good Wednesday afternoon. We are live across social platforms of your liking and choosing with content that is local to the community we call home, and that's Charlottesville and Central Virginia. You, the viewer and listener, can help shape the discussion of what we cover on the show. So if you want a topic to get covered on the program, send it our way. We are very open-minded to your ideas. For example, today we will cover Tim Carson's listing on Ridge Street, a topic that was sent to us by Wild Bill McChesney, the mayor of McIntyre. He said, here's a good topic for you, Jerry. Why don't you consider talking about what Tim Carson has of Real Estate 3 at 512 Ridge Street? Bill, your idea is now a reality on the program. We appreciate your suggestion. On today's program, we will cover some of the following topics. As Charlottesville, Virginia, the city turned into a ski resort or a beach town, a vacation resort, ski resort town um, that is only... Um, only caters to the, to the wealthy and to those that are passing through. I want to unpack that topic on today's program. I also want to talk this topic, which I think is an interesting one. This came up in a conversation I had earlier today. Will the stay-at-home parent, a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, fill the hiring shortage void as hiring becomes even more hybrid or work remotely. Many of the voids, many of the hiring shortages around here are jobs that are evolving into hybrid or remote work type settings. Will the stay-at-home mom or the stay-at-home dad fill that position and what is the cause and effect of the stay-at-home parent taking those part-time positions? From my standpoint, it's the haves having more and the have-nots having less, but I'm curious of your idea. I want to talk about the top five Charlottesville city locations for housing development. Tim Carson's got a listing, and someone tell Tim Carson we're giving him some props. Tim's a friend of the program. He's got a listing at 512 Ridge Street, 512 Ridge Street, asking prices a million, 125000 and it's an acre of land ready for development into apartments. It's currently zoned R2, which would allow eight more homes to be built or four more duplexes. Or, Tim Carson writes within the listing, with seller participation, a rezone to R3 could allow 48 apartments on this spot. Clearly, you're going to have to get some, uh, you're going to have to work with City Hall a little bit about that. Um, I sent you the link for 512 Ridge Street. After you get that branding position on screen, Judah, for, for CPD, perhaps we can get some of the content from 512 Ridge Street that we can showcase on screen. I'm going to use that topic as a segue into the uh, top five spots in the city of Charlottesville that are primed right now for development. I want to give some props before we get to the headlines to a partner of the show, and one of our newest partners is the Charlottesville Police Department. I'm going to encourage all the viewers and listeners of this fine and fair talk show to be the change you want to see and join a police department based on community-focused policing. Join the Charlottesville Police Department, and let's see if we can fill these vacancies that the police department has. I'm very impressed with what Michael Cotches is doing. I believe you have a video of three police officers playing basketball in the 10th and Page neighborhood. I know where this basketball hoop is. I'd like to get that video queued up. If you could give me a hand signal of some kind where we can show this video. Guys, this video of three Charlottesville police officers playing hoops in the 10th and Page neighborhood, they're literally playing hoops um, right behind Dairy Market. This video has been seen by... I'm going to get the exact number. 
It's got 2,802,820 likes on the Charlottesville Police Department Instagram account. And it's been seen by over 34,500,000 Instagram accounts from the Sevo Police IG page. You heard that number correctly. More than 34,500,000 Instagram accounts have seen the video I'm about to show you. You got that ready to rock and roll? All right, it's about 52 seconds. Watch this video for 52 seconds. As we come out of the video, we'll talk about Charlottesville, Virginia turning into a resort, resort town, a ski town, a, a, a beach community, and the cause and effect of that. Cue the footage in three and two. Cue it now, baby. I love that. Two shot, you Judah, you got a two shot ready to go? You know what you see here is officers doing community focused policing and localizing, humanizing, and personalizing their efforts within the department simply through a game of three on three basketball in the 10th and Page neighborhood. I encourage, you would not have seen this under the Chief Brackney regime you would not have seen this under the Chief Thomas regime. You are seeing this under Mike Cotchis' regime because he understands the importance of community policing and communication. I love what I just saw right there. Your thoughts on that before we get to some of these topics, including a fantastic comment from Deep Throat. J-Dubs, anywhere you want to go, my friend. I just think it's nice to be reminded that uh, <clears throat> police are normal people just like us. Uh, like any job, they're, they have their fair share of, uh, of bad apples, but most of them are just uh, you know people who love the community that they work in, and uh, you know they uh, they like to have fun just like we do. Thirty-four million five hundred thousand Instagram accounts have seen that on the Charlottesville Police Department Instagram page. Just absolutely viral content right there. All right, the first topic of the program, and we got comments already coming in. This is from the mayor of McIntyre. He said, people have said for, for years that Charlottesville was going the way of Vail, a ski resort town. Vail. Um, this came up while I was walking the downtown mall this morning. Here's what happened. In fact, he has since interacted with me on Facebook. Let me see if I can highlight his name. Rick Sparks. I enjoyed our conversation today. I am walking outside the Isle of Seville studio, which is on Market Street. I head down Market Street. I take a right on, is that 2nd Street right here? Is the cross street over there 2nd Street or is that 3rd Street? I think that's 3rd. 3rd Street. I take a right on 3rd Street. From 3rd Street, I go in the downtown mall to head to the post office to check our P.O. box, right? Um, as I'm coming out of the post office, I get stopped by someone and says, this particular individual, you know, this happens often, quite often, this particular individual says, hey, are you Jerry Miller? Are you from I Love Seville, the I Love Seville show? I said, yes, yes, I am. And it was Rick Sparks. Rick Sparks has since connected with us on our I Love Seville um, group, our Facebook group. And he said, I want your take on real estate here. I want your take on what's happening in Belmont with the Belmont Bridge and why some of these projects have not sold or slow to develop. I said to him this, I think you'll see that former gas station that's adjacent to Mas Tapas get developed um, as soon as the Belmont Bridge project is finished. I think you'll see Fitzgerald Tire sell as soon as the Belmont Bridge project is nearly finished or finished. I think you'll see the uh, Belmont Market things materialize with that location as the Belmont Bridge project is finished or nearly finished. You have a perception issue of a beaver dam in Belmont right now because this Belmont Bridge project has been in the news cycle for decades, literally decades we've been talking about it. And the project has created logger jams or, or, or a beaver dam right at the entry point of this neighborhood. That entry point, that logger jam, that beaver dam that's been created 
the perception is it's congested, it's crowded, it's difficult to patronize, it's difficult to enter. Maybe that's the case for some people. I'm here to tell you that is not the case. I visit Belmont often, have no problem entering or leaving Belmont, but I get that perception is reality in a lot of ways. A similar perception with parking around the downtown mall. So this is what I mentioned to Rick Sparks, who matriculated here from Eugene, Oregon, and he's getting to know the community. One of the ways he's doing that is by reading and watching our content here. I said, look, when this bridge project is finished, you're gonna see even more development happen with those projects I just outlined. Then we got to talking about Charlottesville. And he mentioned to me that he's, you know, he's, he's doing well, but he chose to rent in uh, Belmont because a bit taken aback with how prices are, how high prices are. And he made this comment to me, Judah. I want to weave you in on a two-shot here because I value your opinion. He said to me, what do you call a city or a town? He says it's an old adage. A city or a town where you can walk to three or four coffee shops in less than 15 minutes while being on foot. But those same coffee shops all have four higher signs in their window. Boatloads of customers that can walk to them, but not a lot, not enough staff to service them. He said to me, what do you call that? What do you call that? Uh, Shame? I I don't know. I think you're going to see that a lot. I think we're probably seeing that a lot more than we ever have before. Um, I mean, I would look to like resort towns and how they... That's what he called it. How they... It's called a resort town. Well, no. I would look to resort towns and how they managed it in the past because obviously we're not managing it. Exact definition. He calls it, you call it a resort town. Yeah, but a resort. Charlottesville has turned into a resort town. But a resort town that's not working. I mean, depends on who you're asking. Well, I, okay. But based on his, based on the. What's not working? Well, you just said there there are signs in windows saying that they need. They need workers. This is a great topic for a conversation. But right do here. you usually see that in resort towns? Oh, I yeah. Mean, oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Scott Morris talked about it on the program. Scott Morris said, and um, Josh Tracy talked about it on Real Talk today, there's um, the Snowshoe Inn and the Snowshoe Ski Resort community. The hotel is owned by Snowshoe, the actual resort. And there is such little housing available for frontline workers, and frontline workers are characterized here as those that work in the food and beverage industry at Snowshoe. There's, this past ski season, there was no housing because it all is very expensive. Scott said that if he wanted to take his three kids and his wife to Snowshoe for a long weekend, it was going to cost him $4,500 for the long weekend. He said he could have taken his entire family to Toronto via airplane and back round trip and spend the same time there in Toronto, Canada and come in thousands of dollars less than the 4500 he would have paid at Snowshoe in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Snowshoe... But, but again, that's more a symptom of, uh, of recent years rather than what I'm saying is that resort towns in the past, I believe, have managed pretty well. Snowshoe, what Snowshoe Resort has done is take the hotel that they own and instead of rent it on a nightly basis to expensive, uh, on an expensive scale to customers, they said, this hotel is now shut down and we're going to use the Snowshoe Inn for employees of the businesses that serve the wealthy customers that visit the resort. Rick, who I ran into outside the post office on the downtown mall, says... I can walk to three or four coffee shops within 15 minutes from my house in Belmont, and all of them have four hiring or four help signs needed in the window. Now, you say, how do you solve this problem? Sake of a talk show, devil's advocate. This is the flip side of the argument. Housing values in Charlottesville and Almaro County 
are appreciating year over year and have for four or five years at a nearly double-digit clip every single year. Folks that own homes have more equity than they ever have in the history of America, mm -hmm. literally right now. Home values in Charlottesville and Almaro County are at their peak in Charlottesville and Almaro County history. The unemployment rate outside of frontline jobs, food and beverage, hospitality, music, the unemployment level is extremely low in Charlottesville and Almaro County. You can make a legitimate argument that the economies of Charlottesville and Almaro County are very, very strong. We got Almaro County spending, how much did they spend on Rivanna Station? Let me do a quick Google search here for you. 462 acres, Route 29 North, Almaro County dropped 58 mil to keep the defense sector. Remember, the defense sector's impact is $1.2 billion. I want to do a plug on that note. Tuesday, August 22nd, Natalie Mastery, the new CEO of the Chamber of Commerce, will join us on the I Love Seville show, along with retired Colonel Letty B.N., who presented the um, $1.2 billion economic impact white paper to Charlottesville City Council and Almore County Board of Supervisors. Retired Colonel Bean will be in the, uh, will be in the uh, studio as well. Deep throat, I can't, I can't wait to read these comments. So here's the question I want to ask you, viewers and listeners. And I'm going to highlight some that are watching. Kevin Yancey, I'm talking to you here. James Watson, talking to you. Talking to uh, Katie Pearl, Kyle Irvin, Dr. Wolf, Bill McChesney, Lisa Costello on Cherry Avenue, Kevin Higgins at Greenwood, Lonnie Murray, Bob Yarborough, Bellamy Brown, Lauren Keswick, Aaron King. I trust your judgment on this one. Johnny Ornalis, Spencer Pushar, Georgia Gilmore, Neil Williamson, Juan Sarmiento, Scott Q. You just sold Marco's Pizza. I'm curious of your take. Ray Cadell, Valerie. I'm curious of your take. Christelle. Charlottesville and Albemarle County's economies outside of F&B, food and beverage, outside of frontline workers, music festivals, and hospitality, the economies seem to be stronger than ever. Stronger than ever. Home values in Charlottesville and Albemarle County are at an all-time high. There's a, a good child's Christmas list, we're talking lengthy, amount of buyers that are looking to purchase cribs in Charlottesville and Almora. I've already highlighted that Paul Manning's Biotech UVA Institute is going to bring three to 4,000 more people to this community with six-figure jobs, incremental citizens. The data science school is going to bring three to 4,000 incremental people. I got a real good feel on this particular project for reasons I won't say on the show. Three to 4,000 incremental people to Charlottesville and Almaro County with six-figure jobs, plus the University of Virginia is expanding its enrollment and hiring more professors to accommodate the expanded enrollment. I genuinely believe in the next decade, next 15 years, you're going to see eight to, eight to 10,000 incremental new citizens with deep-pocketed jobs in Charlottesville and Almaro. Okay. That incremental citizen movement or momentum will drive home values to even higher levels, will strengthen the economies to even more because you'll get family offices, private equity firms, uh, small businesses or medium-sized businesses based on data science that post the talent, poach the talent coming out of the data science school. The same type of businesses that poach the talent out of the biotech school, right? The professors that are going to get hired, that, all, that start their consulting gigs and the side hustles while tenured at UVA. You're going to see new companies and new hires at levels that we have not seen yet. Strengthen the economy, driving values, driving tax dollars, keeping the jurisdictions flush. The one silo of employment that suffers from this is frontline as defined by food and beverage, music and hospitality. And why frontline Not as defined by food and beverage, hospitality and music suffers is because those folks 
that demographic that may be living on the financial margin is going to get pushed further and further and further away from these type of jobs in Charlottesville and Amaro. And then they're going to ask themselves this question, why am I going to work for 12, 10, 15, 16, 18 bucks an hour when I have to drive 45 minutes one way to this job, essentially eroding the money that I make at these jobs and creating a second part-time job commuting to and from the gig? Yeah. Don't forget firemen, cops, <clears throat> EMTs, uh, nurses. I think the nurses may be okay. The nurses, COVID and the pandemic, there's been such a shortage of nurses in COVID and the pandemic that pay has had to, to increase for the nurses. Nurses are now getting more juice, more Jack, more dinero because there's a nationwide nursing shortage. And for a long period of time during the pandemic, hospitals had to use the traveling nurse and the traveling nurse was making $80, $90 an hour. And then hospitals realized this was not sustainable. So they are now offering the full-time or the nurse that lives in the market a jump in pay, 30, 40, 50 bucks an hour, which is still way less than the 80 or $90 an hour the traveling nurse was gonna make. This is the line of work that will suffer from this. And it gets to the thesis of the show. Has Charlottesville City turned into a resort town, a beach town, a ski resort town, a veil, a snowshoe, an Outer Banks, a Southampton, New York, an East Hampton, New York, a, a, a Bozeman, Montana, a Yellowstone, where you don't have the labor to keep the, the amenities staffed. And then those with deep pockets say, what the hell is going on? One of the reasons we love this area is because the plethora of restaurants and the fact that we can walk to 15 coffee shops within 15 minutes of our house, and that's a bit of a stretch, but certainly three to four coffee shops within 15 minutes of our house in Charlottesville City is not a stretch. I bet you you can make a legitimate argument that you take just about any house within Charlottesville City limits. Viewers and listeners, help me identify a couple of areas in Charlottesville City limits, city limits of Charlottesville, where you cannot walk to a place to get a cup of coffee within 15 minutes of your house. Yeah, I mean... I... You'd be hard-pressed to find one within city limits. Anywhere you want to go, and then I'll get to some comments. I'm, you and I will play bull and bear on this topic. Well, again, I think we're missing the fact that resorts, typically in the past, have made it work. They've paid people, and they've had people working at... The coffee shops and the restaurants and the, you know, the towel. Those places close down off-season. Charlottesville doesn't have that luxury. A lot of the resort frontline business jobs, restaurants, coffee shops, ice cream shops, putt-putt golf, yeah. they close down when the season is over. They're still paying. They're not paying the labor when the business closes, Judah. I didn't say that. I'm not sure why you assumed that I was going to. They're okay. still paying leases. Do you know that? Do you think they're not paying leases for half the year? I think I think what happens. I in think those... they're making a a bucket of money. They're paying people to come in for however many months, and they're raking it in and uh, and banking it, and that covers the rest of the year. I you would really... not. I would not be surprised if a lot of the uh, the resort frontline uh, businesses and frontline in this particular circumstance is food and beverage hospitality, maybe a music venue. Those leases are front-loaded with a monthly cost during the season and, and, and diminished in monthly costs when the season is, not, is over. That's, that very well could be. And those businesses are they're basically leveraging this. You want to spend your summer in the Outer Banks? You want to spend your, your winter in Snowshoe? I'm going to pay you what every other community pays someone that runs a coffee shop, and I bet you're going to take this job for peanuts because you want to ski when you're not working and you want to surf when you're not working. Okay. Those coffee lot, those jobs at the food and beverage, the restaurants, the music venues, the putt-putt golfs, 
they're not paying those staff members deeper or richer or wealthier numbers than Charlottesville, Albaro County are paying. They're leveraging the amenity that is the ocean and the ski mountain and the enjoyment that comes with it and basically hoping that staff will sacrifice for that amenity when they're not on the clock. Okay, so what is Charlottesville lev leveraging? That's the question. Charlottesville doesn't have the ski resort allure when the person who's underpaid at the coffee shop can say, eh, it's worth it to me because I can go five minutes from my apartment and go ski or five minutes from my apartment and go catch a wave. It doesn't necessarily have that pool. Right. So is the collateral damage as this becomes a wealthier and more homogenous city, the sacred, one of our sacred things that we love to tout as residents, 14th most restaurants per capita, eighth most restaurants per capita, whatever number you want to call it. I've heard it anywhere from eighth to 14th in the nation, most restaurants per capita in Charlottesville City. Collateral damage is those businesses will close because they don't have anyone to service them and keep them active. Viewers and listeners, I'm going to get to your comments here in a matter of moments. I'm going to go to Twitter first in front of the program, Deep Throat. He says this, if Charlottesville is becoming Vail or Jackson Hole, we have a long, long way to go. $1.7 million average home price in Vail. According to census for our metro area, 4% of homes are seasonally occupied. In Bozeman, Montana, that's 7%. And Jackson, Wyoming, Teton Village has housing development it owns in downtown Jackson. Only way they can get workers to have house for them directly. He also says this, but this is why I hate hospitality as a business. Average wage in hospitality is roughly 29K for a full-time worker. Outside hospitality, it's just under 50K for a full-time worker. Forget about teachers and nurses not being able to afford here. Teacher average wage is above average. Hospitality is like a 45% discount to average. This is, he's backing these up by facts. Mm -hmm. Then he says, rather than pay up, you see places like Jackson are filled with people with H2B visas from all over the place. This is happening at Boarshead. I have friends on staff at the Boarshead or folks I'm friendly with who are literally here for short periods of time. In fact, he's actually mentioning Boarshead. He says, heck, Boarshead, I've been able to use my Brazilian Portuguese and share my recollections um, with actual natives that are on staff. That's what they do in the Outer Banks. You often see uh, places like uh, grocery stores have... Uh, massive amounts of people who are like uh, Romanian or something. I don't even know, but uh, they bring in people from outside. My favorite staffer that I enjoy coming across at Boarshead at the Birdwood Grill is a guy named Kevin who is here on an H-2B visa from Romania and he works at Birdwood as a server for four to five months and earns more income, he told me, than he can make in two years while working in Romania. He comes here for four to five months, works, and then travels the world and has fun for the remaining uh, eight to uh, uh, seven, eight, nine months of the year. Yeah. Stacks Paper works his ass off for four to five months and says, the money that I earned here in Charlottesville at the Birdwood Grill, it would have taken me two years to work at Romania to earn this same level. So I'm going to go globe trotting with his girlfriend all over the world, and then I'll come back and work for four to five more months again. Think about that. I'll go to more comments. One more from Deep Throat. This is a damn good comment here from him, okay? Then Philip Dow, I'm going to get to your comment. I'm going to get to your comment. Um, uh, Kev, Yancey, Bill, I'm going to get to your comment. Grayson, I'm going to get to your comment as well. A lot. Johnny Ornalis, hello. Welcome to the show. Give the show a like and a share anywhere you guys are watching, please. This is a really good comment. I would stress again that we have a worse problem than other resort and college towns do. 
the UVA students that come to Charlottesville do not work. They are too rich. Yeah. In a town like Bozeman, that is a seasonal town, the students are filling the frontline jobs. Students. Montana State University, dorms are the workforce housing for F&B. That's not the case in Charlottesville. Guys, let's unpack that even more. He's exactly right. When I went to UVA, I paid for much of school. And I did that as a host, as a server, and as a bartender at Ruby Tuesdays and Barracks Road Shopping Center. That is now Chopped, the salad bar, the the salad uh, restaurant. And while I served, waited tables, was a host and a bartender, guys that were in my fraternity, gals in my classes, friends from UVA, would literally come in to see me while I was on my clock, while I was on the shift. And the best tips, the best gratuity I received was not from the regulars, the customers that came into Ruby Tuesdays. It was from my fraternity brothers, the girls that I was dating or seeing or friends with, coming in with their mommy and daddy's credit card and leaving 25, 30, or 40% tips after razzing me a little bit, giving me a hard time about working a day shift while they were in class or sunbathing or going to Coupe de Ville's for $2 pitchers. They're like, oh, Jerry, you're slinging the $5.95 salad bar or the... Uh, the punch bowl cocktail from Ruby Tuesdays, or the buy two, get one free burger special. We just got hammered at Coupe de Ville's and we decided to come in here and poke some fun at you, but we're gonna leave you a 35% tip, so you'll take it. Those were the best customers, the best tippers, and it wasn't even close. We'll take it a step further. Take it a step further. Affirmative action, the Supreme Court has now barred universities and colleges from utilizing or leveraging affirmative action in its admission process, right? Yeah. What's the cause and effect of affirmative action getting barred or disallowed in the admission process, J-Dubs? Your thoughts? I haven't really given it any thought. I would say that uh, maybe maybe there are going to be a lot of people that would have been uh, applying at schools who no longer no longer bother. Um, I'm not sure how. I'm not sure how communities see see this change. Um, uh, it could be that we end up with a lot more people that can well afford college going to these colleges. That's it, right there. You bar or disallow affirmative action with college admission, like the University of Virginia you are going to get a student body that is more wealthy and homogenous. And if the University of Virginia had its brothers and they could admit a student that could pay the full tuition that needed no subsidy mm-hmm. or a student that needed significant subsidy and help to afford the four years, what's the business going to pick? They're going to pick the one that can pay. So if the University of Virginia, which now no longer can use affirmative action in the admission process, continues to admit more students, and they've openly said they want to expand enrollment, the students that are going to be admitted into UVA in this expanded enrollment setting are going to be students from wealthier families. And as those wealthier family students come to Charlottesville, those students in their mommies and daddies bank accounts will take up the housing stock one will not need to work the frontline jobs yeah. two will look to use their mommies and daddies credit card to spend money in the community further strengthening the economy three they're still going to spend money they're still going to buy booze they're still going to get hammered on the corner. They're still going to get hammered downtown. So you get this cause and effect. 
No affirmative action with UVA means a more homogenous and white student body. A more homogenous, white and wealthy student body is going to potentially take up, not potentially, literally take up more housing. You take up more housing that pushes locals on the financial margin out of the city. That student body is not going to work the frontline jobs. So those that have the frontline jobs as employers, not the employees, but the people that actually own them, have to think very quickly on their feet on how they're going to solve the problem. My prediction is it's going to turn in frontline jobs are going to be eradicated, evaporated, erased, eviscerated. You're going to go the Moe's Barbecue on Ivy Road route where there's only one person on the front of the house. That person on the front of the house is going to be expected to pour the beer, make the cocktails, work the bar, while also taking orders at the cash register. The food's going to be picked up at a pickup window, and the customers are going to be expected to bust their own tables, wipe down their own tables, and the employer's going to help, is going to basically hope that customers will believe in the golden rule and leave the place in a better, better spot than when the customers first arrived. Let's go to Twitter. Linnell is watching the program. She sends me this comment. She says, more frontline jobs are coming available at Zion's Crossroads with a second hotel under construction. Do Charlottesville businesses lose out as surrounding counties develop, develop these areas with shorter commutes for their residents? It's a damn good comment. I'm going to retweet this. I'm going to quote retweet you, Linnell. Damn good comment. I mentioned this live on air. I'm going to unpack your comment now. Viewers and listeners, here's my prediction of what's going to happen. Are you ready for this, Judah Wickhauer? If the people, if the demographic, if the socioeconomic demographic that works the frontline jobs music, hospitality, and food and beverage in Charlottesville and Albemarle now, if they cannot afford to live in Charlottesville and Albemarle as enrollment at UVA expands, as data science and biotech impacts the area, and as home prices continue to escalate, we're both in agreement they're going to move out from Charlottesville and Albemarle. Yeah. They're going to move to new pockets of central Virginia. And those new pockets are Zion's Crossroads, Green County, Buckingham County, maybe some Scottsville. As the frontline workers move to Zion's Crossroads, Scottsville, Green County, Buckingham County, some will get entrepreneurial themselves or individuals that already live in those respective areas will see the additional bodies coming to those said areas and they're going to launch F&B music and hospitality jobs and opportunities of their own. Will a Zion's Crossroads with a Lowe's, with a Walmart, with a fantastic restaurant named El Mariachi, with two hotels, and a couple of other restaurants right there, will that become the new epicenter for frontline employment that was previously catering to Charlottesville and Almaro County residents who filled those gigs? The answer is yes. The gentrification that's happening with frontline workers is a positive tailwind for Zion's Crossroads, for the town of Scottsville, for Green County, for the restaurants outside the lake, maybe for Buckingham County. But it's a headwind for Charlottesville and Almaro County and those folks that own those gigs and own those uh, businesses. Let's go to uh, Kevin Yancey. Charlottesville and Almaro County had an identity crisis, have had an identity crisis for decades. They cannot decide if they prefer recognition from AARP or Cosmopolitan. He also says Augusta County is gaining what Charlottesville and Amaral County is losing. Philip Dow is watching in Scottsville. He says what's going to happen, the cost of living will increase across the board. Housing costs is going to be unbelievable. Charlottesville is not prepared for this. I'll add something else to this. 
Charlottesville is going to start losing its status as the most restaurants per capita or one of the most restaurants per capita in America because as we have an affordability issue, those restaurants won't be able to stay open. Kelly Jackson owns yep. 17 Panera Breads and is opening up a hot chicken or has opened up a hot chicken franchise in Northern Virginia. She says, you are absolutely correct. Always have my eye out for a location at Zion's Crossroads because of this. She would know. She's one of the biggest employers in Central Virginia with 17 Panera Breads and a hot chicken, fried chicken um, operation in Northern Virginia. Are you at one iteration of your new brand, KJ? Or are you opening up a few others? I'm very curious to see how that's going. And KJ, we need to get you back on the show. Um, Deep Throat says, more than 80% of the parcels in Charlottesville City are within at least 30-minute walk of a coffee spot. And that's based on Google Walk times. And he says, that time is way shorter because when Google Walk assess times for walking, it always does it on the slowest possible walker and not as a fast walker to and from their directional maps. Hmm. He says over 80% of Charlottesville City is within a short walk of a cup of coffee in their house. That's a lot. That's a lot. Um, viewers and listeners, keep the comments coming in. I'm going to get to your comments now. J-Dubs, anytime you want to jump in, please jump in. I'm going to go to LinkedIn. JB, John Blair, love when you watch the program. He says, Jerry, I am purely spitballing here, but if I recall correctly, in the past, some of these jobs were performed by refugees in the community who were here due to the efforts of IRC. I believe that the Trump and Biden administrations have significantly reduced the amount of refugees in this country. I have no idea, but could this be an issue with the lack of workers for service jobs? That's a damn good comment. In fact, I can, in fact, let me respond to him. Damn good comment. I read this live on air. There was recently an article in the Daily Progress within the last month talking about the shortage of workers that service the wineries and vineyards in Central Virginia. And if you're working in a vineyard, do you prune the grapes? Do you peel the grapes? Do you pick the grapes? What's the verb that you're doing while working in the vineyard to help a vineyard produce wine? Is it picking grapes? Uh, Aggregating <clears throat> grapes? I would think it would be picking if... Selecting grapes? It's probably picking if, if they've got people. I don't know how they, uh, I don't know if they send people up and down the lines and individually pick single grapes, but. Uh, Can you find, there, there's, there's, in the dog days of summer in the Commonwealth of Virginia, when it's obscenely hot and humid and you have no shade, picking grapes at a vineyard or a winery is a very arduous job. And in this Daily Progress article that's come up within the last month, the thesis of the article was the wineries and vineyards, despite offering elevated pay, significantly increasing the hourly wage for a job that you would say is, choosing my words carefully here, how would you characterize a job that is picking grapes in a field? I mean, that's kind of your typical... Uh what are the migrant worker job, you know, picking fruit, picking uh, grapes, watermelons, oranges, apples. Uh, in the past, that's oftentimes been the job that, uh, that migra or migrant workers take. Okay. We'll go with that description. I was going to use something that perhaps was less flattering, but we'll go with that description. The wineries and vineyards can't find people to do this work despite upticking the pay 25-30%. One of the winery and vineyard owners in this Daily Progress article literally said, where are the people locally in Charlottesville were offering you an opportunity to make some pretty good money without really doing any thinking. Granted, you're outside in the sun on your hands and knees, sweating your cojones off when it's 104, 105 degree humidity, right? It's tough work, it's not easy work. And I got to thinking about this article. A, 
you don't have the influx of migrant workers that you used to have. There was a population of migrant workers that would travel across the country based on the seasons. Yeah, and we've, seen, we've seen pictures in the news not too long ago of uh, fruit just dumped on, you know, dumped on the ground. Physically demanding, Catherine Lochner calls them. KJ says, I'm getting ready to open my second hot chicken. What's the name of the hot chicken joint, KJ? In Tyson's Corner next week. A lot more to come in Northern Virginia for us. They also own 17 Panera Bread franchises or locations. What's the name of the hot chicken spot? We'll give you some props, KJ. We've got to get you back on the show here. And she's probably got six, 700 people under her on her payroll right now. Juan Sarmiento is watching the program. He said, I ate at El Mariachi on Sunday at Zion's Crossroads. Fantastic food, Juan Sarmiento said. The area is booming, Zion's Crossroads. If they can get a big-name grocery store in the area, watch out for Zion's Crossroads. My wife wants to open a second business in Zion's Crossroads. So, Johnny Ornalis, you watching the program, J.O.? Let me see if Johnny's watching the program. Nice. Johnny's watching the program. He says, uh, you, got a, you got a huge fan here, Juan Sarmiento. Um, Bill McChesney says, menial work. Call it menial tasks. Juan Sarmiento says, you cultivate the grapes. Cultivate. Or harvest. I think cultivating more, has more to do with growing them. Dave's Hot Chicken is the name of Kelly's uh, new business. She's opening a second one in Tyson's. So that'll be 19 points of sale for her when this one opens. You don't have the migrant, you don't have the influx of migrant workers that travel. Yeah. On top of that, you don't have a student body in the University of Virginia that's going to work these gigs because their families are so wealthy. Right. On top of that, You've had massive gentrification since the pandemic when we had 2%, 3% interest rates. And now those of us that secure those type of rates aren't selling our homes, so inventory's throttled, so values are going up. So you have this collision of so many circumstances hitting at once. Yeah. Tighter, tighter border control, A, less migrant workers traveling seasonally, B, a UVA student body that is so wealthy it doesn't have to work. C, or is that D? Whatever. Home values appreciating over the last four years to the tune of 40, 50%. In my case, my house is up 85% in three years. D, a stricter lending environment making housing purchasing more difficult. E or F, Rates super extensive, making things extremely expensive. G, UVA admitting more people. H, UVA not having affirmative action to leverage with the folks it's admitting. I, UVA hiring more professors to service the student body. J, HIJ. All these businesses that are going to cherry pick the talent of the biotech and the data science school. K, I can continue if you want. Local government making development nearly impossible. L, Chris Henry's trying to do 400 apartments next to 10th and Page without displacing a single person. And he's being transparent. He's, he's, he's holding community forums. He's being transparent. He's trying to communicate. He's saying, I'm knocking down crappy old buildings and converting parking lots, and he's getting lambasted. He's getting ripped. Yeah. He's getting hammered as if he was... As if he was what? I mean, as if he was trying to tear down neighborhoods. He's being compared to... He's getting compared to Vinegar Hill and destroying an African-American community and displacing 170-some families. Yeah. There's not a single person that's losing their house here. No. It's and absurd. if you want to maintain the authenticity and the character and the integrity 
of 10th and Page as it is now, you build more apartments around it and housing around it for people who want to live in that area. Because if we don't do that, the folks that are going to want to live in the area are going to do what? The folks that are going to want to live in the area, they're going to buy up the homes at higher prices. There it is. There it is. You want to keep 10th and Page the same? Build housing around 10th and Page that's new. So the people that have the deep pockets that want to live in 10th and Page, and who doesn't? It's close to UVA. It's close to the corner. It's close to the hospital. It's close to downtown. It's close to the hedge funds. It's close to the courthouse. It's close to the family offices. It's close to the restaurants. It's close to the breweries. Who wouldn't want to live there? You can walk everywhere. You talk about walking to coffee shops? You could probably walk to 20 of them in less than 15 minutes there. Who wouldn't want to live there? You want to preserve the authenticity of the neighborhood? Build housing around the neighborhood. Because the free market is going to cannibalize your neighborhood if you don't. I just gave you 12 or 13 legitimate reasons why this community from a frontline food and beverage, hospitality, and music business standpoint is going to be radically different in the next decade. And if the business owners in this food and beverage, hospitality, and music ecosystem, if they don't start figuring out automation or cutting or ways that they don't have to have fat payrolls or, 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 or deep on payroll, you're not going to survive, dogs. You're not going to survive. Vanessa Parkhill. Queen of Earliesville. People who may want to come to work at vineyards or pick other produce, this is not a justifiable reason to not enforce immigration laws and have a secure border. I'm okay with that. I'm with that comment. I'm totally with that comment. I think we should have a secure and safe border, but one of the cause and effects of a secure and safe border is folks that were working <coughs> under the table and paid cash by business owners there's less of that type of work population. I think that's safe to say. Kevin Yancey says there's only a few vineyards large enough to draw the traveling migrant workers. Yeah. He also says the Louisa side of Zion's crossroads is setting up itself to be the short pump west. I agree with the short pump west. I think Zion's crossroads is about to be... Uh, What is the new brand of Zion's Crossroads instead of Short Pump West? It's about to be... It's about to be a town of... A town or region of folks that were gentrified out of Charlottesville and Alma. And before you know it, Charlottesville and Almoral Countyans, Charlottesvilleans and Almoral Countyans are going to be traveling to Zion's Crossroads for their lower price, middle price restaurant experiences. I think we may also see more, uh, more big brands here. Johnny okay. Ornalis owns a business in Zion's Crossroads, El Mariachi. He says, Zion's Crossroads had a plan many years ago of a mini short pump and the Burger King piece of land. Bill McChesney says, Rhett's Bar and Grill moved from Route 29 to Zion's Crossroads. Rhett's Bar and Grill has one of the best steak and cheese or Cuban sandwiches that I've ever had. If that's still on the menu, I very much uh, suggest you try the Cubano at Rhett's Bar and Grill. This is, is it a sad state of affairs of what's happening? Uh, I mean, it certainly is. Uh, or is it a state of affairs that we have created? Oliver Kuttner could not build micro apartments off Water Street because the political capital did not allow him to build studio apartments for frontline workers off Water Street in downtown Charlottesville. High Street, the High Street Association 
is crushing 250 apartments off the Rivanna River. Bo Carrington Wendell Woods project. Keith Woodard was trying to build housing on Water Street with Market Plaza. Chris Henry's trying to build 400 units on Preston. Charlie and Frank of Southern Development got kicked in the nuts left and right on Stribling Avenue because of sidewalk issues. We are our own worst enemies. We cannot get out of the way of our own selves. And as a result, affordability has been one of the biggest problems the community has had maybe in the history of the community? Is it not? Could be. I, I've been here 23 years. More than half of my life. JB on LinkedIn, king of knowledge. Jerry, I'm sure you were aware of this, but a lot of people on the south side of Charlottesville and Almoral go to Lowe's and Zion's Crossroads or Home Depot in Waynesboro. I bet a high percentage of them also buy food and or gas while they are there. You're 100% right. I used to live in Redfields. When we lived on Redfields and Rockledge Drive, we went to the Lowe's and the Walmart and Zion's Crossroads. John Blair, I'll take it a step further. We now live in Keswick and Glenmore. We drive to the Lowe's and Zion's Crossroads, the Walmart in Zion's Crossroads, and El Mariachi in Zion's Crossroads from Glenmore and Keswick, as opposed to dealing with the headache of Route 29. You got the south side of Charlottesville, Avon Extended, Fifth Street Extended, along with most of Keswick and a lot of Pantops, Eastern Almore County, choosing to drive to Zion's Crossroads because it's a short jaunt on an interstate without Route 29 traffic. Yeah. And, and I'll take it a step further, and this may get me into trouble, but I don't give a... I would even make a legitimate argument that the level of knowledge and the friendliness of employees at the Lowe's and Zion's Crossroads and the Walmart and Zion's Crossroads and the staff at El Mariachi at Zion's Crossroads, they are more knowledgeable and friendly and easier going than the Walmart on Route 29 and the Lowe's on Route 29 and other restaurants on Route 29. And maybe that friendliness, that easygoingness, that knowledge could be attributed to quality of life tied to cost of living. Of course you're going to be friendlier if you can afford to live with your work. You're not going to be a sourpuss because you're commuting to and from your work in a short little jaunt as opposed to driving 45 minutes and dealing with traffic on Route 29 at rush hour. Yeah. Who hasn't had better service at the Lowe's at Zion's Crossroads versus the Lowe's at Route 29? Every single time for us. Kelly Jackson, totally agree with the service at Zion's Crossroads. Maria Marshall Barnes, I prefer to go to Zion's over Charlottesville. Maria Marshall Barnes has given you some props, Johnny Arnalis. She says, El Mariachi is amazing. The Louisa side is successfully growing and the Fluvanna side of Zion's cannot keep up. The Fluvanna side of Zion's does not want the development. Part of that is tied to water, but Fluvanna is opposed to development. Zion's is welcoming the development. We've had Zion, Louisa County Board of Supervisor Fitzgerald Barnes on this program a number of times. They embrace the new business. Bill McChesney says that is correct regarding the Lowe's at Zion's Crossroads. I want you to have a shopping experience at the Walmart and Lowe's at Route 29 and compare that shopping experience to the Walmart and Lowe's at uh, Zion's Crossroads. It is night and day different. Then you have a much easier commute with no traffic and no headache. We'll give some love to Skuma Boutique Dispensary for being a part of the show. Skuma Boutique Dispensary in the downtown mall is locally owned and operated by David and his wife. Skuma Boutique Dispensary. Keep the local businesses you want to see open alive. Um, damn, it's already 1.30. Linnell says, Louisa County approved 50 more homes for SPDG's Zion Town Center. 
take an opportunity to drive through the Spring Creek gated community. It is gorgeous. Have you ever been in Spring Creek, the gated community? I don't even know where it is. What's that? I don't even know where it is. It's right off the Zion's Crossroads exit. Okay. It is a beautiful community. Safe, gorgeous, lovely homes. Massive community. Linnell, you made the show better today. Thank you, Linnell. I've got to save some of these topics to tomorrow. Man, time flies when you're having fun. Um, this is what we'll talk about tomorrow. Will the stay-at-home parent fill the hiring shortage for a lot of the businesses out there, and I'm not talking frontline workers. I'm not talking frontline gigs. A lot of business owners in the Charlottesville and Almaro community are short-staffed and now allowing part-time workers to work more hybrid or completely remote. My prediction, in particular, the stay-at-home mom is gonna start taking these jobs. And the stay-at-home mom, who has kids now going back to school, who may wanna make some income for their family, some spending money, or frankly speaking, wants some intellectual stimulation and is just bored, my prediction is the stay-at-home mom is going to start taking these 15 to 20 to 25 hour a week jobs that are remote and hybrid from small and mid-cap businesses in Charlottesville and Almaro County. And when that happens, the haves will have more and the have-nots will have less. If you're a stay-at-home mom and you've been able to stay at home for an extended period of time and you're a one-income family and then you go take a 15, 20, or 25-hour-a-week job, you're just making your family's coffers deeper with money. We'll talk about that tomorrow. I'll talk Tim Carson's listing at 512 Ridge Street, $1,125,000 list tomorrow. To give you a taste, Deep Throat sent me this. Five Twelve Ridge Street. It is under RC, the new zoning. Assuming that rear alley can be considered or made to be considered frontage, you could probably slice that into five to six lots, each one with an eight-unit entitlement as of right. So, forty-eight units on Five Twelve Ridge Street without rezoning. None of those forty-eight units need to be affordable. Did you just hear that? Is, 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 is my buddy Neil watching the program? Neil is watching the program. Five Twelve Ridge Street. Tim Carson has the listing. It has a list price of one million one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars just for dirt. Do you got some pics you can put on screen of it? Did you get some from Carson's listing? They're scrolling. What's that? They're scrolling. Oh, they're scrolling. Good job, Judah. Props to Judah. He's putting photos on screen of this listing. I'll unpack this tomorrow. This particular piece of property, once the upzoning and rezoning is approved, can be sliced and diced into five to six lots. Each one of those lots, eight units apiece. 48 units on 512 Ridge Street. All 48 will not need to have an affordable housing component to them. I literally predicted this would happen. Upzoning and rezoning are not gonna create affordability. It's gonna create speculation, and what is birthed from that speculation is going to be some of the most expensive housing that Charlottesville's ever seen from a for rent standpoint. Mark it down. We'll unpack that tomorrow. This is the I Love Seville show. Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine, a partner of this program. And can you show the police officers hooping on 10th and Page, playing three on three? I'm working on getting these police officers into the studio. We'll interview these police officers. 35, is it 35,500,000 views on Instagram? Good Lord. Maybe we play a horse competition with these guys. I mistakenly said we could play uh, we could play pig 
with these guys, but then I was like, oh man, we can't play pig with the officers. We can play horse. We can play horse with them. Be the change you want to see. Support the Charlottesville Police Department and let's fill these vacancies, ladies and gentlemen. I back the blue on this program religiously. Back the blue. Support the blue. For Judah Wickhauer, I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. So long, everybody.